Welcome to the OmniTalk Fast Five, sponsored by Takeoff, the AM Consumer and Retail Group, and Attentive. The OmniTalk Fast Five is the podcast that we hope each week makes you feel a little smarter and, most importantly, a little happier too. Uh-huh. It is October 14, 2021, and I am your host, Chris Walton. And I am Ann Mazinga. And we are here once again to discuss all the top headlines making waves in the world of Omni Channel retailing this week. And we're back in the studio. Do I smell a trend of brewing? possibly do we even know what day it is right i know now? right i almost got the date wrong yeah but uh no but actually sadly Anne, i hate to inform you of this but sadly i will not be in studio next week with you because i will actually be in oh, sunny right. paradise valley arizona at the mountain shadows resort 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 eating risotto maybe oh but God. the the sunny mountain shadows resort resort i can't say that word today keynoting the bureau veritas annual forums which i'm pretty excited about i'm gonna be talking about the Five trends retailers won't see coming until it's too late. First time I've debuted that content to an audience. It's probably the first time that PVs had a debut like that, huh? Yeah. That's what you call it in in Arizona, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. Actually, we do call it PV. I'm going back to the hood, although PV is not my hood. Tempe is my hood. Shout out to... Shout out to the all the chargers out there from good old McClintock High School that probably are not listening to this podcast, but you never know. You never know. Stranger yeah. things have happened in the Tempe. Stranger things have happened. And most likely Stranger Things is going to come up near the end of that podcast because oh I think that's God. one of our lightning round questions, if I'm not mistaken. But Ann, should we get to the headlines? Let's do it. All right. In today's Fast Five, we are going to talk Simon Malls teaming up with Klarna. Very cool announcement. Facebook's new pop-up storefronts for the holidays. Kroger entering the Northeast. A fun new drive through only grocery store startup called Opie. But first, we take off as we always do with pressure this week on Macy's to spin off its e-commerce business. And I believe you have the honors. Oh, I do. According to numerous reports, an activist investor, which is a name that I love. I'd love to have that moniker someday. Activist investor. I think you are. I think you're an activist podcaster. Oh, certainly an activist podcaster. I'm a, I'm a lazy podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> Where, I think, or whatever the op- opposite of activist sure, is. But sure. anyway. All right. So Scott Osfeld, who is the partner and co-portfolio manager of Jana Strategic Investments, is urging Macy's to spin off its e-commerce business, a la Saks Fifth Avenue's move earlier this year. So uh, he is citing the precedent that Saks set uh, and believes Macy's should take a similar approach and that believes that their standalone operation could be worth as much as $14 billion against Macy's $6.9 <laughs> billion valuation. Now, Chris, if I was a retailer, mm-hmm. Macy's in this particular case, I would be, I (laughs) I would be going to you and the A&M consumer and retail group. You'd be the first call on my, my bat phone to figure out if this is a smart move or not. It's like the Seinfeld episode. I'm first on your speed dial. First on your speed dial. Yes. Well, Kristen Kohler Burroughs of the A&M consumer and retail group is going to put you on the spot this week. She, she also got you last week. Kristen got me this week. All right. That's right. So Kristen wants to know, is there a scenario where a retailer should consider splitting off their e-com business? Ooh, that's a really good question. I would say generally speaking, and I want to get back to the Macy's part here too, but I think generally speaking, I would say it's not something I would advise if you're a traditional bricks and mortar retailer conceiving of this idea, because Mm -hmm. I think the two are so inextricably tied. Although I think there are probably some angles, and I know you've got some cool thoughts on this too, where you could explore that that type of situation. But I don't think it's ever probably, I was trying to think of it. I don't think it's ever like an all or nothing situation where I would spin off the whole thing. I might split off a chunk. And I'd also only probably do it 
if I had a very strong brand reputation, like I was doing my own products, which I don't think Macy's, you know, is really doing. So like for me, like with all due respect to Mr. Osfeld, um, I think this story is about the most ridiculous thing. I've Mr. Osfeld, AI. Yeah. Activist investor. Yes. I think this story is like one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. On the one hand, I like the audacity of it, right? Like the guy's bold. He's saying it's worth $14 billion, but Macy's isn't worth a damn anymore as a physical store idea. So like you could say, okay, yeah, maybe we just put it all, put all our eggs in the e-commerce basket, see what happens, spin it off, you know, see what comes of it. I get that in principle, but I don't think it will work because like I said, Macy's is so inextricably tied as a brand to its store operation. And so like, I just don't see how you can pull that apart in the minds of the consumer. The analogy for me, if they were to do this, would be Toys R Us. Okay. Because Toys R Us is just the department store version of Macy's, honestly. They sell the same stuff that everybody else sells, which we talked about on the show a whole host of times. And look at how much trouble Toys R Us has had getting off the ground. They couldn't, they tried to do the deal with Target, like that fell flat on its face. They're now trying to do a deal with Macy's, which is interesting when you think about the irony in this story. And that's probably not going to work either. You can't just bring a brand back to life that has such a connotation with stores. And the valuation like is ridiculous. Like Kohl's is $6.8, $6.9 billion, which is a better retailer, in my opinion, than Macy's. So to say that you're going to pull this apart and create $14 billion of value, yeah, I want some of whatever you're smoking, Mr. Osfeld. Well, I think that the problem for me was they're referencing Saks and Saks isn't having a good time doing this either. I mean, I've spoken to people at Saks and you're still faced with being head to head with people who are running a legacy retailer. You're just not set up to run an e-commerce business separate. And when you do spin off Macy's, there's nothing unique about Macy's that makes it competitively advantageous for that company to go online. Like, what are they going to do to stand out? I think, you know, Saks has even tried to bring in, they brought in Sebastian Gunningham onto their board, who's a former Amazon guy to like, you know, even when you bring in the brightest and most brilliant minds in e-commerce to try to run your business like this, it's still coming head to head with these legacy issues. And, you know, I think your point is dead on. Um, The company that I was thought of, or I thought of when you mentioned Toys R Us was actually like who, what, where at Target. I was just talking to Chris Ressa about this, like that brand to me could stand on its own as an e-commerce site or spin off of Target and have physical presence. I don't think that this is something that Macy's is ever going to be able to do. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I love that. Like, yeah, like creating like a microsite almost in terms of like something that you are already carrying and creating a standalone entity of it to promote it even more. I don't even know that you spin that off either, though. I still think you like keep that kind of inside inside baseball, too, with what you're doing. So I think it's hard to find examples of where this would work. And, you know, the other proof that I put in the pudding, lastly, I think would be, you know, you see so many of the digitally native brands trying to either get wholesale relationship going into physical stores. No one's no one's really giving it a go for the most part, unless you're like a marketplace, like an Amazon or some setup like that, right. where you're just truly standing alone. You can count on two hands the number of standalone e-commerce players that even worked. So why would this work for Macy's? I just I just don't get it. I don't understand it. All right, Dan. Now, headline number two. Headline number two is one you are going to have to pay some serious attention to, or better yet, be very attentive to, because this headline is brought to you by Attentive. See what I did there? Yeah. And if you want to learn more and to see why thousands of brands use Attentive's SMS platform to send interactive marketing campaigns that better engage consumers and drive revenue, 
Well, and you can visit attentivemobile.com slash Omnitalk to request your demo today. All right. Headline number two this week is that Simon is teaming up with Klarna to offer in-store payments at its properties. According to WWD, Simon said this week that it's teamed with Klarna to offer the mall operator shoppers the fintech company's in-store payment solutions. In-store being the operative word. The company's also said in a statement that they're working together on a quote additional strategic initiatives, which will be announced and rolled out in the future, end quote. And what is your degree of impact here of this announcement on a scale of one to 10? Okay, I read this. My excitement level was high. Then I actually read through the article and now I'd say I'm on about a five here, Wow. Okay. but a nine to 10 on what's to come. I think the fine print in this announcement that people need to be paying close attention to are there quote about additional strategic initiatives that will be announced and rolled out in the future. I think this is laying the groundwork for what's to come. We just talked to DeptMind and Mall of America about this last week, about how mall owners need to start thinking about simplifying the customer experience single points of payment, which Klarna and Simon are trying to figure out in this example, which is a way of enabling an experience in the mall that is similar to an experience that customers are having online. So I think that the key for this will be getting tenant buy-in to make this happen just because they're offering this to Klarna. I mean, Klarna's offering their services to all the retailers in the mall anyway. Um, I think right now the advantage to these uh, tenants is that Simon is covering the marketing and awareness drivers so that people are coming to the mall knowing that they can use this Klarna in-store BNPL platform. Yeah, it's a good point. There's a lot of questions I have about like the logistics of how this actually works. I think in principle, I still like it a lot, um, especially if it gets to the universal payment idea, which I want to talk about in a minute. But, you know, the other thing too, is like this came on the backdrop of the Target announcement with the new relationships with Affirm and Sezzle. And the cool thing about that announcement too, shout out to our friends at Sezzle was you can actually use Sezzle now for your drive up orders which I think is super cool. Like that's, that's very differentiating. Mm-hmm. So it shows you that this is happening. And I think your point, like your point about the interview we did last week with Jesse Michael and the Mall of America is, is dead on too. Because if you remember, I wrote that piece at the start of the pandemic in Forbes about the five things malls need to do before they reopen. And I just want to read those to you, the five points, because it's amazing how far we've come in a year. Number one, a digital marketplace. Check that out the box at mine in yep. Mall of America, right? Yep. And Centennial Malls. Two, curbside pickups and returns. I know your favorite. Yep. Mom geek out. Returns. Done. Done. On-site fulfillment. Check, sort of. Like it's happening, but we don't have the co-op situation yet uh, where all the retailers are banding together to do that. But it's it's on its way. The fourth, and this is the one that's probably still the farthest out, is universal employee job sharing and training across all the retailers in the mall. So want to see more progress there, haven't? But here you go. Number five, universal contactless shopping applications. This is what that is. This is setting the tone for that. And I think this is a big move for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of room to go. Like we said at the beginning, it's just, it's starting to figure out how to get the mall owner an operator to kind of be the one that's kicking this off and then getting the tenants to kind of fall in line and get on board um, to follow so that we can have these experiences. Yeah. I give the malls a lot of credit for actually pushing innovation seemingly in my mind faster than, you know, the rest of retail, which your point is because they have to, which yeah, necessity is always the mother of all invention, I guess. But, you know, I give them a lot of credit for that's a lot of big steps in a year. Yes. That we're starting to see in that industry. It's cool. Yeah. Especially, and it'll be especially interesting to see with some of the data where we've had come in this last week of, you know, everybody's expecting mall traffic to, to go back to 2019 levels this holiday. So hopefully, you know, we're, we're seeing that in the stores, fingers crossed. 
Okay, Chris. So one thing that I am going to be looking forward to this holiday season is Facebook opening pop-up shops, shoppable windows and live streams. Oh, you got to have live streams. Yeah. Right. Everyone has, even Macy's has live streams in their mobile app now. Yes, they you do. Saw that. Yeah. They do. So according to chain storage, starting November 5th, weekly buy black collections will be highlighted on Facebook and Instagram shops and in live stream shows highlighting products from black owned businesses. So this buy black Friday uh, is part of Facebook's second annual boost with Facebook good ideas season program. That's a mouthful. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> but, but it's initiative is great because it gives small businesses access to free resources and training for a successful holiday season, which is very important yes. for new businesses. Yeah, 100%. Now here's the kicker. Okay. As part of the program, the company is opening good idea shops in local communities across the United States. So this week in Seattle, Fort Worth, and New York City, consumers can visit storefront windows and pop-ups to discover local small businesses and shop those windows via QR codes on Facebook and Instagram. Okay, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. And the and one more thing. Facebook is, this is the longest press release that Facebook has ever put out. <laughs> Facebook is also dedicating a storefront window in LA for people to buy black this December. So a lot going on there yeah. with Facebook, but Chris, what are your thoughts about, you know, essentially Facebook getting into physical retail tests and experiments? Yeah. I think that's an important part of the story and all that you just, you know, relayed there, you know, the key parts being the buy black Friday and uh, the other part being the uh, good idea season program that they're putting on. And I, you know, that the thing that I think this signals is that Facebook now is smartly experimenting in the physical retailing world yes. with pop-up shops via QR codes, right? Very simple, easy for them to do. It boosts the impressions around their Instagram shopping capabilities, their Facebook marketplace and other shopping capabilities. seems like just a smart move that I would expect from a digital company that wants to invest a little bit in marketing to help people understand how easy it actually is to shop through those platforms. So yes. I give them all the credit in the world for this. I think it's awesome. Yes. Very simply, this is a win, win, win. Retailers, especially local and new retailers, get to leverage mass marketing with other brands in Facebook's community and get help with the customer awareness and acquisitions. Customers have one place to go easily to discover and shop and support Black-owned businesses. And then Facebook ultimately wins here. They get to test physical shopping and they get to move their PR uh, needle in the more positive direction. So 100% agree. 100% agree. It's a cool story. And again, highlights social commerce. It's coming. <laughs> All right. Headline number four and Kroger. Big news out of Kroger this week, actually. Oh, Kroger announced plans this week to expand into the Northeast. Coming off its recent e-commerce only play by way of its partnership with Ocado, Kroger now says that it plans to offer Kroger delivery online. It's Kroger delivery online grocery service in the Northeast by building another Ocado powered automated customer fulfillment center, a CFC for short. I want to be a CFC. No, I don't actually. Those are bad, right? Chlorofluorocarbons. But anyway, <laughs> to fill digital orders for same day and next day delivery. Yeah, you might want to think of another acronym for that, Kroger. Keep in mind too, as Kroger CEO Luke Jensen pointed out in the article written by Supermarket News, that quote, the Northeast is another new geography for Kroger. And it sure is. Initially now, if my memory serves, you kind of poo-pooed Kroger's first move into Florida. How are you feeling about this one? I don't think I poo-pooed I it. think you did. I, I, I think you did. I think I, think I just said it was going to be difficult to acquire new customers when a large part of that demographic is 65 plus and not people we typically associate with starting their grocery journey online. So you were ageist. That's what you're saying. No, I was <laughs> looking at data and making a, 
an assumption and I'm going to test the theory. I am very likely wrong though, because Kroger is rolling out this concept faster than sister Anne Marie gave out detention slips for short skirts. Okay. Wow, she, I love that. This is going crazy. I love it. I'm here for it. I'm getting my popcorn. You're all this in one, on Kroger. Uh, the thing is this, is, there's like, there is like an antagonist and a protagonist here. It's, it's going to be a great show because the Northeast has had online grocery longer than Florida and the other it regions has, yeah. that, that Kroger has been in. So there's going to be even more competition here, but go Kroger for just like, 100%. we're going to tackle the Northeast. It's on. I, I, 100%, I love that you're now on board because I love this. I love what they're doing. I love how they're doing it. And remember, a few weeks ago, Walmart is trying to do the same thing through Instacart. Let's not forget that. Let's bring that back into this equation. Yeah. But and where are all these micro fulfillment centers that Walmart purportedly was opening 20 to 25 of them at the beginning of this year? Here's Kroger out there doing it, trying in a different way, in a very efficient way to talk to the market via online, going direct to the consumer. I freaking love it. Mazel tov to them, man. Ma I'll go mazel tov. You go Catholic school reference. I'll go mazel tov. <laughs> The best of both worlds. Okay, Chris, we're wrapping it up with headline number five. So according to Chain Storage, Opie, a new drive-through grocery concept, opened its first store in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. Opie, which builds itself as an ultra-fast convenience grocery store, is 3,000 square feet, features thousands of items, including fresh meat and produce, and it's open 24-7. All the customers have to do is pull into a parking spot at the store and order from their car using the Opie app, and their order is brought out to the car in minutes. Well, shucks, I'll be in Mayberry. <laughs> well, no, no fees and order minimums. They also have the ability for smaller express orders. Mm. Customers can order directly with the clerks in the drive-thru lane. And shoppers can also order head on the grocer's website if the previous options are not sufficient. So, Chris, this is basically Chick-fil-A for groceries. <laughs> Literally, the store director, yeah, Scott right. Thomas, came yeah, from right. Chick-fil-A. Um, I know how much you love that place, so I can only imagine what you are thinking about this. Yeah, I don't. Ah, Do you think I like this? Or do you think I don't like it? I mean, what do you think? I'm I, curious. I think that I thought I mean, I feel like it. Like I said, you love Chick-fil-A. You evangelize Chick-fil-A like you know, you might as well work for them or get a kickback. I, I do evangelize. Actually, I was something. on a pot. I was on a webinar yesterday and I, I singled out Chick-fil-A for their overall customer experience okay, um, so what do by you way of their this? digital properties. I don't like this. Why? I don't like this because I think it goes back to, if you listen to the show last week, what we talked about last week and it's okay. And what is your brand promise? And so last week we talked about that within the context of GoPuff where GoPuff's brand promise is about quick delivery, mm -hmm. getting people, the things, the small subset of items that they need quickly. And so to do that, they have to build these micro warehouses. And so the whole point of our discussion last week was it makes sense because you're just building these kind of drive up, pull up to stores, you order digitally. It's like a vending machine. It makes sense because you get the return on assets from doing that yep. if for whoever happens to partake in that activity. What I don't like about this for grocery is if you're pushing yourself as a grocery store, then it's a different mental conception in the mind of your consumers. Like if I'm grocery shopping, that's a different experience for me. So I want to be able to go in and I mean, as because we hear this all the time, I want to be able to spend time in the store. I want to be able to touch and feel my avocados, my bananas, or at least I want to have the option to do that. Mm. And so that's where I think, like, how does this stack up then against all the other grocers that are putting these same capabilities basically into their own stores? You can drive up, pick up there, you know, curbside pickup. You can order direct from them to your home. So I just don't see how this stacks up in the long run because I actually think it it will become more confusing or more delimiting 
for consumers than if it otherwise didn't exist. Oh, I, I gotta disagree. disagree with All you. Right, go I, for it. I do like the idea of being able to pull the car through a drive-through and get a gallon of milk and other staples while my kids are in the but back. You can, do that, you can do that at a local grocery store now. No, I can't. You, can Not, you can't drive up order and then go pick it up. I mean, that that's what they're, they're essentially doing here is saying like, I could pull up to a person under the Chick-fil-A oh. tent and say, I would like a milk. I would like eggs. And I need, you know, a pack of fruit okay. snacks and they can, and I can do that. Now we did see QSRs like McDonald's and Panera doing this throughout the pandemic. They were, they were adding staples yeah. to their drive-thrus. The only thing is, Chris, I just have this vision in my head of like a loose interpretation of express lane, like in a grocery store, you don't want to get behind the person yeah. that's like, I would like uh, extremely ripe right. avocados and the bananas with no spots on them. And it's like, right. okay, that's not the same as when you're in a Chick-fil-A line. It's like, I want the spicy chicken, a malt and fries done. Like yeah. there's no, there's no like conversation happening about groceries, which I, I think could be. A yeah, I think you're right. I think the bottlenecks of this that have still yet to develop yes. inside the actual like movement of the cars and the right. people is still something to be determined. But I don't know. I still I still I, I don't I don't know if you're convincing me on this one, because I still think like you have a limited skew assortment. I can still over time probably do all those same things at a traditional, you know, local grocer. So I just don't see what the allure is here. For the most part, but last word. Yeah, I think when you when you add in kids in the car, you add in inclement weather to be able to go and do a drive through. There are multiple occasions as a mother that I'm like, I wish I could just pull up and ask somebody for this and not have to mess around with an app and, and 30 minutes, even 30 minutes or an hour's notice to you know, put in my order and hope that Target's not backloaded and they can fill my order. Fair enough. You are a better mother than I. So well, everybody knows that. Yeah, it's right. Obvious. Better parent than I too, probably. No, but. not. That. Um, all right, Chris, are you ready to go to the lightning round? I 100% am. I'm okay. pumped for this lightning round, actually. Okay, Chris, Flippy the Fast Food Flippy. Robot by Miso just got its first TV commercial showcasing its power in the kitchens at Wendy's restaurants. Where do you draw the line with robots making food? Is there a food you think robots should not make? 100%. And it, this is a subtle one. Walleye. Walleye? Yeah, because it gets a little too cannibalistic if you think about it. Wally, walleye, get oh, it? God. Wally the robot. That's a stretch for me. Oh, I love that joke. That's a great okay. joke. All right. Okay. Great uh, dad joke. Dad joke. Mm, dad joke ten. Go on. Go on. <laughs> All right. Netflix and has signed a new partnership with Walmart to hawk wares from its popular shows. What is your take? Um, I am confused that why Walmart is just doing this online. Is it going to come to stores? I think it should. If right. so, that's smart. Licensed apparel sells. Netflix is basically the new Marvel and Disney, et cetera. So it makes sense to extend it into Walmart, giving them more exposure. And in addition to Netflix's yeah. own online shop. So it's another story from Walmart signifying nothing. Well, yeah, it seems weird that they're just going to do it online. Yeah. Um, but whatever. Okay. Uh, Best Buy said Tuesday that it agreed to acquire current like the body health, English. I know a question. UK tech company that helps with remote patient monitoring and telehealth. Chris, which eighties era as seen on TV, medical and health tech, would you pitch to Best Buy CEO, Corey Berry to bring back as part of this acquisition lifeline? I fallen and I can't get up or the craftsmatic adjustable bed. Oh my God. And this one's not even close. I mean, I actually want lifeline now as a former <laughs> stroke patient. Like I actually asked my doctor if this was still around and should I get it? They told me, no, don't get it. It's stupid. Oh, but, but yeah, no, what? but like, yeah, no, you want this. Like, so yeah, no, somebody's got to figure that out. Actually. Like it's, it's probably a huge untapped market. 
especially with all the young people having strokes these days. All right. This weekend, to close us up, this week, Jamba, formerly known as Jamba Juice. Yeah. It's like, you know, whatever. why juice? I, I don't know. Why yeah, a bro. further descriptor and better SEO? Right. Which is Jamba. Uh, they're expanding their test of a kiosk that automatically dispenses made on demand blended smoothies. Where do smoothies rank on your list of things that need to be quote unquote contactless? I just don't understand these things. Like how fresh can those ingredients be? I feel the same way about Sally, the robot. So I would say, no, this is not an area, I guess, where it needs to be contactless. Although smoothies are really sticky. So maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know that I have an, an answer on this one, Chris. Yeah. I, I, the contactless point just doesn't, isn't a selling point yes. for me, but all right. Happy birthday today to Usher. Ooh. Yeah. I knew you'd like that yeah, one. Yep. Ralph Lauren. And the cue that stirs my drink this weekend, Ben Wisha of James Bond. Ooh. And remember, if you can only read or listen to one retail blog in the business, make it Army Talk. Our Fast Five podcast is the quickest, fastest, and quite frankly, the liveliest rundown of all the week's top news. And our twice weekly newsletter tells you the top five things you need to know each day and also features special content exclusive to us and just for you. And it's all within the preview pane of your inbox. You can sign up today at www.omnitalk.blog. Thanks as always for listening in. Please remember to like and leave us a review wherever you happen to listen to your podcast or on YouTube. And of course, as always, be careful out there. The Omnitalk Fast Five is brought to you with the help and support of the AM Consumer and Retail Group. The AM Consumer and Retail Group is a management consulting firm that tackles the most complex challenges and advances its clients, people, and communities toward their maximum potential. CRG brings the experience, tools, and operator-like pragmatism to help retailers and consumer products companies be on the right side of disruption. And Takeoff. Takeoff is transforming grocery by empowering grocers to thrive online. The key is micro-fulfillment, small robotic fulfillment centers that can be leveraged at a hyper-local scale. Takeoff also offers a robust software suite so grocers can seamlessly integrate the robotic solution into their existing businesses. To learn more, visit takeoff.com. Finally, Attentive. See why thousands of brands use Attentive's SMS platform to send interactive marketing campaigns that better engage consumers and drive revenue. Visit attentivemobile.com slash Omnitalk to request your demo today.